Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Man, I am excited about today. I, I am eager with anticipation and excitement. Have you ever taken your friends to like your favorite restaurant and you have them order the meal that you love and you're just waiting for them to take that first bite? That's what I feel about today. And I'll tell you why. Because so many of us, regardless of our faith journey, whether you're here and you say, man, I'm a follower of Christ, or you're not really sure what it is that you believe, so many of us struggle with the idea and the notion of faith. That faith is hoping in things that I can't see. And, and there's so many questions that life throw at us. And so it makes faith even more challenging and complicated. And so I'm excited about a series that we're jumping into next week called Grown Up Faith. Everyone say Grown Up Faith. Turn to your neighbor and say Grow Up. It's based on a book by a, a great pastor. He wrote it named Kevin Myers. It's a book called Grown Up Faith. And our sermon series for six weeks will be on this series. But what I'm most excited about is the fact that we have centered our entire church around this series to help all of us kind of elevate or grow up in our faith. And so our small groups or connect groups that are meeting throughout the week, different days of the week, different times of the day, different seasons of life are all centered around the same exact book and curriculum. And so they're launching in one week and I'm excited because I don't want you to miss it. Listen, Sundays are amazing, but church happens between Sundays. We would tell you all the time that life change happens within the context of relationships. When you sit in circles and not just rows and learn about what God wants to do in your life and you learn through often the strengths and the weaknesses of other people. And so I wanna challenge you, if you've never been a part of a connect group, this is the semester to jump in. In fact, on your way out, we'll have a big pillar out there. You can find out more information, when groups are meeting, what times of the day, what seasons of life. But here's what I wanna ask of you right now. Everybody grab your cell phone out of your pocket or your purse and text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen. And that'll give you all the information you need to know about our summer semester of Connect Groups centered around this series of Grown Up Faith. Listen, here's what I can promise you. If you'll lean in and dive into this series over the six weeks, when we're finished, you won't be perfect. You won't have everything figured out. You won't know everything there is to know about the Bible, but I can promise you this, you'll be stronger in your faith. And then when life throws the difficult questions, you actually might find you have some answers for them. So don't miss it. We start next week. We're starting off with a bang. It's gonna be amazing. And make sure you jump into a connect group because it'll probably change your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, probably not you. Sorry about that. Well, listen, I'm excited because I, I, we, I've got a special treat for you. We are in a, our third installment or our third week of our series called The Blessed Life. And this whole series is about God's plan and principles for our finances. And it's challenging because there's so many different nuances in our minds when we think about money, 
the church and God. But here's the truth. The truth is all of us in this room have struggled with financial crisis at one point or another. Most of the arguments that you have with your spouse are probably about your finances and who spent what or why we don't have enough or whatever it might be. And Jesus actually talked about finances almost as much as any other topic in the Bible. In fact, 16 of over 30 parables were about how to handle and deal with our finances. So we're doing a series on just that. And I'm excited because today the final installment is I think one of the best ones and I'm excited because I think it's gonna change some of our perspectives. But before I dive in, I just wanna tell you a quick story. Is that cool? Can I do that? You don't have an option, I'm gonna do it anyways. So I've got a good friend and, and he and his wife had had uh, four kids and he lives in Pennsylvania. This is a true story, I'm not making up an ounce of this. And after their fourth child, his wife said, hey babe, I think I'm done having kids. You need to go, you know what I'm talking about? You need to go get a vasectomy. We're done with this thing, right? Shut down the baby factory. And so he did. He went and uh, took, took care of things. Can I get an amen? And after about a year, his wife came back to him and was like, hey. I'm kind of thinking maybe we should have another kid. Now, if it was me, I would have said, you need to go find another husband. But he didn't say that. He's a better man than I. And, and he went to explore getting a reversal for said surgery. True story. I'm not, I am, listen to me. I am not making up an ounce of this story. And he researched this and found out that that surgery has to come out of pocket and usually costs between ten dollars and $15,000 and has a chance, a high chance of not actually even working. Well, my friend, some might call him an entrepreneur. I think he's an idiot. He went online to search, this is true, found a guy in Arkansas who would do a reversal in his garage, people, for $1,800. <laughs> yeah, he did it. It actually worked for him, but do y'all think he's very bright? No, pray for him. He needs a lot of prayer, true story. Here's my point. My point is this, when you, when you are looking for, somebody's calling me, they obviously don't know me too well, call me during Sunday. When you are looking to get surgery, you're not looking for some dude who's doing a surgery in a garage in Arkansas. You're not looking anywhere in Arkansas, let's just be honest. <laughs> you're looking for an expert, the best of the best of the best. Turn to your neighbor and say the best of the best. The best of the best. Why? Because you want someone with experience, and hey, man, might I even say a calling with that subject. Well, as we close out our series today, in preparation, this whole series has been based on a book by a great pastor in Dallas, Texas, who pastors a great church. He still wears suits. It's one of those kind of churches. And he wrote a book called The Blessed Life. When Megan and I read that book about 10 years ago, it changed our whole life. And so in anticipation and preparation for today, we thought, man, I could preach a message and close this out, but who better than to have Robert Morris himself come and share that divinely inspired message and inspire and awaken that today. Now, he's not here in person, but he's here on screens. And the reason is I want you to have the best of the best of the best. So look at me real quickly. Some of you have already checked out. Are you kidding me? Stop it. <laughs> I want you to lean in for 26 minutes, regardless of your faith background, regardless of what it is that you believe. And if we could just say, God, open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear and receive whatever you wanna do, I think some of us will leave here divinely inspired and changed. Can we pray? 
and dive into today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I just thank you that you're here. I thank you that you brought the best of the best of the best to help us to learn exactly what your heart and your plan and your principles are when it comes to our finances. So God, today we open our hearts and our minds to you and the fullness of whatever you wanna say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen, turn your attention to the screen. Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter nine, all right? Luke chapter nine, this is the last message in the series, The Blessed Life. And this is such an important message that we have to catch it. It's called the principles of multiplication. Now, um, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, some of you are numbers people, male or female, you can be a numbers person. Uh, I catch numbers all the time. I see numbers, I think in numbers. My wife knows this. Uh, I've tried to say to her, please uh, don't talk to me about something if it involves a number without telling me the number first because I can't hear you until you say the number. Uh, you know, if she says, I want to remodel this part of the house, and I want to do this, and I want to put up new drapes, and I want to get new, okay. It is like listening to Charlie Brown's parents. <laughs> it is like, what, 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 $4,000. Okay, I heard that. <laughs> I got that, $4,000, you know, so. So, my point is, multiplication is a mathematical term. Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources? Would that be all right with you? Okay. We've seen other mathematical terms. You know, we've seen addition, praise the Lord. We've seen subtraction. We've seen division sometimes. But what about multiplication? So, Luke chapter 9 and uh, verse 12, all right? Luke 9 verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away, the twelve, there's the number, came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now, let me stop just for a moment and, and share something with you. Uh, in Jewish culture at this time, the way they counted crowds was that they counted the heads of households. They counted families. It says there were 5,000 men. As a matter of fact, the uh, account of this in Matthew says it this way. Matthew 14, 21 says, now those who had eaten were 5,000 men besides women and children. So if you include spouses, and if you think of uh, maybe just an average of two children per family, that would be 20,000 people. Uh, and, and at that time, there were probably the, the average um, for children for a household would probably be more than two. So there could have been 20 or 25,000 people here. So when you see the, the heading in your Bible, the feeding of the 5,000, I don't mind that heading as long as you understand this was 5,000 families. Most theologians believe this is the largest crowd Jesus ever spoke to, ever. So there's 20, 25,000 people here, all right? Now go back to verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. There's another number. And they did so, and they made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, 
And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and twelve, notice that, twelve baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, see, that number really jumped out to me because I thought, why in the world would there still be leftovers? I mean, Jesus knew how many people were there, and there were 12 baskets left over. So, you know, just kind of using my phone thinking, I thought, well, you know, I, I guess I think the reason there were 12 is because Jesus wanted each disciple to have a doggy bag. I mean, that's just, you know, that's what I think. So, okay. So, Here's what I like to do with stories in the Bible. And if you've never done this, this is a blast to do. I like to put myself in the story. And I like to think, how would I have responded had I been there that day? So that's what I want us to do. I want us to all imagine. I want us to use your, your holy imagination. And I want you to put yourself in the story. I want you to imagine that you are one of the disciples and that you are on the Messiah search committee. And uh, you've got a great candidate. I mean, he's healing the sick, raising the dead, walking on water. I mean, this guy's incredible, you know. And so you have a high attendance Sunday. And you uh, send out a mass email. And you tweet about it, you know. And uh, the largest crowd you've ever had attends. I mean, it's absolutely incredible, you know. And you have some really good worship like we did today. And then the guest speaker gets up to speak. And uh, 12 o'clock, he's still going. You think, well, that's, that's not too bad, you know. 1 o'clock, though, he's still going. 2 o'clock. I mean, you've already missed the first game. <laughs> 3 o'clock. 4 o'clock. 5 o'clock. I'm not exaggerating the text. Look at verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away. You know what that means in the Greek? In the Greek that means when the day began to wear away. <laughs> Let me start getting late. So again, just using my holy imagination, you know what I think? I think the disciples formed a little committee. I think they got together and they said, man, what are we going to do? I mean, this guy's good, but no one's this good. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, he's just going on and on and on. And I'll tell you what, if I don't get something to eat soon, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right here. I will die if I don't eat soon. And I think one of them said something like, that's it. And they said, what, what, what's it? Let's tell Jesus that the people are getting hungry. <laughs> yeah? He seems to care a lot about the people. He doesn't seem to care much about us, but he seems to care a lot about the people. So now let's imagine that you get elected the spokesperson, okay? So I want you to see this in your mind. Jesus is up there speaking, great big crowd, and you walk up to Jesus. This is the inference from Scripture that they approached him while he was speaking, okay? So you say, um, or excuse me, excuse, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, uh, Lord, this has been so good today. I tell you, this has really been good. Uh, this series of messages that you're bringing all in one day. Um, but uh, we, we, we were talking and we feel like that the people are getting hungry. Now, we could go all night. I tell you, it's been that good. Lord. Uh, but um, so, and it's getting late and the restaurants are about to close. And... Um, we feel like that you should just wrap it up. 
And, um, and you, can, you can continue this series next week. And the Lord said, uh, you, you feel like the people are hungry. Yes, Lord, it's all about people. It's all about, it's all about people. And then he said, look at this, verse 13, maybe you've never seen this, but he said to them, well, then you give them something to eat. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, you and your little group over there, you're concerned about the people. Why don't you guys give them something to eat? Okay. It, it didn't go like you planned, did it? And so now you've got to report back to the committee. That's the hard part. So you go back over and they say, well, did you tell them the people are hungry? Yes, I did. I said those exact words. I said the people are hungry. Well, is he going to dismiss the service? Well, what did he say? said for us to give them something to eat. <laughs> what? He said for us to give them something to eat. What? 20,000 people here? Oh, man, we're dead. Just wait till the first church of the Pharisees hears about this. You know? <laughs> oh. And then one of them said, man, there's just, there's just no way. And then there's some little kid that was walking by that snuck back into town during the message, and he walk, he's walking by with a long John Silver sack. And so they grab it, you know, and they open it up. He got the two-piece meal with extra rolls. <laughs> and of course, Peter probably just grabbed one. Oh, stop it, Peter. Stop it. That's all we have. That's all we have. And then one of them said, that's it. And they said, what's it? Let's tell Jesus this is all we have. And then he'll dismiss the service. Now, I want you to think about something. If you had never read this in the Bible and you had been there that day, wouldn't you think, if you said that's all you had, that he dismissed? Wouldn't you think that? Doesn't that make sense? Okay, so, again, you're the spokesperson. Just, just one more, just one um, you, you know, a moment ago we were talking, I was telling you how good this is. And um, um, you said for us to, you know, um, give them something to eat. And uh, we've been working on that. And, um, but um, all we have is um, a two, two pieces of fish and um, five, um, almost five, Peter ate some, Lord, and uh, I, I couldn't stop him, um, um, but uh, five rolls, but, but that, that's, that's all we have. So we're thinking we should just go with the original idea and just, you know, wrap it up. And the Lord said, okay, let me get this straight. You have two pieces of fish and, well, almost five, I, I know how Peter is, five rolls, and... Um, that's all you have, right? Yes, that's, that's all we have. Yep, yep, that'd be great. Have them sit down in groups of 50. Excuse me? Um, oh, oh, Lord, uh, we don't have a lot of these snack packs, Lord. Um, there, there was a kid walk. Peter took it from him. I didn't take it from him, Lord. Yep, yep, that'll be fine. Have them sit down in groups of 50. Now, have you ever thought about this? Getting 20,000 people to sit down in groups of 50. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but ha have you ever worked with people? <laughs> I mean, people are hard to work with, aren't they? So they're getting them all set down. And then, I, I think personally, I think that the disciples figured it out. I do. I think one of them said, hey, you remember that story in the Bible where Elisha fed 100 men with 12 loaves of bread? I'll bet you when he prays over it, it's going to multiply right in front of our eyes. 
I said, yeah. Now, actually, do you know many of us believe that's what happened? But that's not what happened. It's not at all what happened. Matter of fact, verse 16 says, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set for the multitude. Now, again, I think probably Peter probably, probably said, hey, give me one of them rolls. Here, here, Lord, here, pray over mine first. Here, pray over mine, pray over mine. Here, pray over mine. Just watch, watch, watch. Pray over mine, Lord. And Jesus takes this piece of bread from Peter, lifts it up and says, Father, bless it. Breaks it and hands half of it back to Peter. Uh, are you through praying? <laughs> yes, Peter, it's blessed. Now go give it out. You want to pray some more? <laughs> no, Peter, it's blessed. Now go give it away. Now, personally, I think Peter walked up to the first person and said something like this. Take just a little piece. <laughs> what would you have said? So he's going out around, take a little piece, take a little piece. Take a, I said a little piece, you pig, what is wrong with you? <laughs> take a little piece. Okay, he gets down to the end of the road. There is a crumb left in his hand, sweat pouring down his face. And he looks down at it and right before the person grabs it, it grows in Peter's hands. And he says, you can have some more. <laughs> Listen, the miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. Amen. This is very important. So, from this story, there are two principles of multiplication. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down, all right? <laughs> Here's number one. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Think about this. What if the disciples had given the fish and the loaves out without Jesus blessing it? It never would have multiplied. It was the blessing of Jesus that gave it the potential to multiply. There are many, many people who give a little here and give a little there, but they never see their finances multiplied, and the reason is they're not blessed by Jesus, and the Bible tells us very, very clearly that the way Jesus blesses our finances is we give the first 10% to the house of God. And when we give the first 10% to the house of God, the rest is blessed, and the rest multiplies. There's a couple in our church that when I preached on this a few years ago, they came to me and they said, Pastor, we got so convicted because we were giving 5% to Gateway Church and 5% to a missions organization. Nothing wrong with giving to missions organizations, but you don't give the tithe. You give offerings over and above the tithe to missions organizations. And they said, we actually had the check already written. We tore the check up, wrote another check for 10%. And Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the house of the Lord. They said, we wrote a check for the whole tithe to Gateway Church, and they said, we'd been waiting for a bonus for months that we were supposed to get, and after we gave that on Monday, we got that bonus, and they actually said to us, we felt so bad that it took so long that we uh, gave you more than what you were supposed to get after they gave the whole tithe. So, number one, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. Number two, it has to be given away 
before it can multiply. It has to be given away before it can multiply. Again, think about this story. What if the disciples, after Jesus had blessed it, what if the disciples had eaten it instead of giving it away? And a lot of people do that. They tithe or they give to the local church, but then they don't give over and above. And it has the potential to multiply. It's blessed, but then they don't give offerings over and above. So in my own life, let me tell you how this happened. Um, I, start, I got saved at 19 in Jake's Motel, room 12, and I started sharing my testimony, and then I went to Bible college, and then I started preaching youth revivals and things like this. And in a few years, the Lord said to me, now listen to this statement, it's very important. You might even want to write this down. He said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. Yet you need to understand something. God cannot, it would be against His nature, God cannot bless something that's not in order. So he said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. So I said, well, Lord, you, what do you want me to do? He said, three things. And then I, I, I want you, you could write these down as well. I, I put them on the uh, screen for you. Number one, he said, get out of debt. Now, every time God speaks something to us, God will clarify what he means. For us, we still operate by this to this day, to getting out of debt was we, it was, we had peace about owing for our home because it was an appreciating item and because of the tax credits and things like that. Now, some people don't have peace about that. I understand that. But for us, we had peace about owing for our home, but nothing else. And so, we, the first thing that had to go was our car. We had a car with this big payment. It was actually too big for us. We knew it was. So, we sold that car, and we bought a car for cash for $750. That's all we could afford. But we loved that car. We prayed over it. Uh, we anointed it with oil about a quarter a week. <laughs> and we drove that car. The second thing God said to me was, don't manipulate. Now, by this time again, I'm in ministry, and I'm traveling and speaking in churches. He said, don't manipulate. I said, Lord, what do you mean, don't manipulate? He said, I want you to know that I, I am your source. So, he said, from now on, when a pastor asks you, you know, what are your financial requirements for coming? You say, I have no financial requirements for coming. Before, they would say, what are your financial requirements? And I would say, well, give, pay our expenses and give us an offering. And my friends would even say, and the offering has to be a minimum up. I never even said that. But he said, from now on, you say, I have no financial requirements for coming. And I'll never forget the first pastor I told that to, uh, I said, I have no financial requirements. He said, well, that's good because I'm not sure we could even pay your gas. He didn't say pay your expenses. He said, pay your gas. And we got in that $750 car, and we started driving to that church, and I stopped and filled it up with gas, and I went in to pay for it, and this lady said to me, it's taken care of. And I said, what do you mean it's taken care of? She said, well, because I own the gas station, and when you pulled in, God told me you were an evangelist, and I was to fill your car up with gas. And I went out. I went out and I got in my car and I said, God, I sure like doing it better your way than my way. <laughs> and then a pastor called and he said to me, uh, can you come on this date? And I said, yes. He said, what are your financial requirements for coming? I said, I have no financial requirements for coming. And he just couldn't get it. He said, what, what, what do you mean you have no financial requirements for coming? I said, I mean, I have uh, no financial requirements for coming. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean you have no financial requirements for coming? <laughs> And he just couldn't get it. He said, how are you going to live? How are you going to live? If you come to our church and preach and we don't give you an offering, how are you going to live? 
And I said something, and I meant it right, but it came out wrong. You ever, you ever do that? And so I, I said to the guy, listen, if we come to your church and preach, and you don't give me an offering, I said, God will take care of me, and God will take care of you. He said, well, we'll give you an offering. I said, no, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I, I didn't mean that. I said, what, what I meant was, God will provide for me, and He'll provide for you. Of course, as I've thought about it, <clears throat> it probably works both ways. But anyway… So the Lord said, get out of debt, don't manipulate. Number three said, give. And I said, well, Lord, um, I do give. I tithe. Now, listen to what he said. He said, son, giving, tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. He said, the tithe belongs to me. He said, you only have two choices with the tithe. You bring it to the house of God or you steal it. It's only your only choice according to Scripture. There's no other choice in Scripture. And so, he's, I said, well, Lord… Hey, this, aren't these good questions? I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know what to give? How will I know where to give? Listen to what he said. So simple. Listen, he said, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. See, my sheep hear my voice. So the very next meeting I go to, now this is all, this is, this is it. This is all I do now. Is I, at that time, I travel and spoke at churches. And if they gave us an offering, great. And if they, you know, some churches would give us a love offering. Some churches would give us like offerings. <clears throat> some gave, uh, don't like, don't come back. Anyway, so, so I said, I have no financial requirements. And I went, I had one meeting for the whole month, for the whole month. And it was a Sunday evening meeting, not a whole week. And it was about 60 people. And so I go and I speak, and at the end, the pastor gets up and said, this guy told me something no minister has ever said to me, ever. He said he had no financial requirements coming. He said, I want us to give an offering to him. And so they gave an offering, and he came up to me at the end of the service, and he said, look at this. Look at this. He was excited. We've never done this. He said, look, look how much this offering is. I'm so excited. And I looked down, and it was enough for the whole month. And at this time, I had a staff, and I had an office, and I had expenses. So it was enough, not just for my personal income, but for the ministry's income for the whole month. And I thought, God, you are so good. That's amazing. And I'm standing there talking to the pastor, and I glance over his shoulder, and at the back of the room is a missionary that spoke right before I spoke. And this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I'll never forget what I thought. Here's what I thought. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> That's not God. That's, that's not God. That is not God. That's not you. If you don't know, that's not you. And this voice said, give him the offering. Give him the offering. Give him the offering. And I remember even telling the Lord, I said, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. You, you got all pumped up because I preached a good message and now you want to give, but I see you're not thinking clearly here. And the Lord said, I told you I'd tell you. I told you I'd tell you where to give, when to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give him the offering. So I went up to the missionary when no one else was looking. I made sure no one saw me. And I endorsed the check and I folded it in half and I said, I'm going to give you something on two conditions. Number one, you don't look at it until after you leave because it was a very, very large check. Number two, I said, you never ever tell anyone I gave this to you. Never. And I gave him the check. And we walked out to our car, Debbie and I, and there were some people standing there talking. They said, hey, would y'all like to go get some pizza? And we said, yeah, you know, because we were, we were broke. And so we said, yeah, we, yeah, sure, we'd love to. 
And so we went to pizza, and there were five other couples, six couples total, Debbie and I, and five other couples. And the six ladies sat on one end of the table, and the six guys sat on one end of the table. And I was on this end, Debbie was down on the other end. And all of a sudden, these four guys got to talking. And this guy across the table from me leaned over like that. And so, you know, I kind of lean over. I don't know what he's about to say, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he just said to me, how much was the love offering? And so I told him, and it was an offering, not an honorarium. The difference is an honorarium is a round amount with zeros, like $500 or $1,000 or something. This was an offering, so it had dollars and cents. And so I told him every number, I told him the exact amount of it, and he shook his head like this, and then he said, where's the check? Like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I didn't want to say we gave it to a missionary. I didn't want to do that, and I didn't want to manipulate, and I didn't know why this guy was asking me. I didn't know who he was, and I was flustered, and so I just kind of heard myself say, Debbie has it. <laughs> and so he said to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, Okay. <laughs> so I got up and I walked down where Debbie was and I just kind of whispered in her ear, you know, I said, how's your pizza? Good. Okay. <laughs> there, what else do you say? There's no chat, you know? So I come back and again, I'm flustered and I don't, you know, and so I just, I said, it's in the car. <laughs> and he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? I mean, you know, you, you know so much, pal. And he said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? And I said, how, did you, how do you know that? And he said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before the service that night. And he opened it up and it was made out to our ministry. And remember, our, the check I gave away had dollars and cents. He opened it up and it was exactly... Ten times the amount of the check I'd just given away. Exactly. Exactly. And he said, here, take this. And he's holding the top of it, and I reached out and I took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I realized he wanted to say something to me. I know now there was an impartation from a person who had the gift of giving, but he's holding the top, I'm holding the bottom, and I looked right across the top of that check right into his eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And let the check go. And when he did, this revelation came on me. This is God's money. And every penny I get is God's money. And so I said to Debbie, this is God's money. We need to ask God what he wants us to do. Listen to me. Every believer needs that revelation about every check we get. This is God's money. God, what do you want me to do with it? Can we give Pastor Robert Morris an amazing hand clap? When, when Megan and I first read this book, it was such a divine revelation. We, we've tithed our whole life, 10% of our income we've always given back. I mean, to the very beginning when I got an allowance, six and eight years old, full-time job at 14, 15. And, but I, we watched and read this for the first time and just felt, just God, do, hey, there's more in you, and, and, and I want to do more through you. And so my challenge is, when we hear something like this, the Holy Spirit starts speaking. And we just, we got to be able to listen and be obedient. 
Now, we, we didn't do this series because we, we hit a rough patch financially as a church, and we thought, oh, man, we better say something because we're in a bad spot. No, no, actually, our church financially is extremely healthy. And I, last week, I shared how we, we planned this year's budget off of 90% of what comes in the previous year, and then we actually only operate on 80% of income, and 10% goes right back into missions and 10% of the savings, and we've got reserves, and we're healthy. This isn't about the movement, church. This is about what I know God wants to do in and through each of us in this room. And so I know that in a Sunday, in an experience like this, that there's probably two different groups of people here right now. There are those of you that are struggling with the notion of returning 10%. Maybe it's thinking, I don't know if I can afford 10%, or are you sure? Maybe I just kind of choose the percentage, and I just want to challenge you. If that's you today, I, I don't wanna, I'm not asking you to give. I just want to challenge you to be open to what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to you. In fact, it's the only time in Scripture where God says, test me, put me to the test, and watch you return 10%, I'll open the floodgates of heaven and do more in your life than you could imagine. So if you're here and you're struggling with this notion of tithing, maybe today for you is about taking that step of faith and returning 10% to the local church. And there's some of us in this room who may be tithing pretty consistently and now we're feeling the wrestle and the tension of God saying, hey, it's time to go above and beyond the tithe. And I would just challenge, if that's you, to lean into the Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, what is it you wanna have me do? And I'm telling you, if you'll follow whatever he speaks with obedience, you'll walk in a season of favor like you've never experienced before. There's another group of people in this room, and those are people that recognize and understand the power of tithing and give above and beyond. And you see them, they're smiling, they're shaking their heads like, there's something to this. When the Bible says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, it's because it's true. So I wanna challenge you. In fact, can I just pray for us today? For all of us in the room, no matter where you're at in the journey, just that we'd be open to what God is saying and then be obedient. Can I do that right now? God, we just thank you that you're here, that you speak to us about every scenario, everything that we walk through, every challenge that we face. God, you have principles and values and direction for every aspect of our life, from morality to ethics to every relationship, how we relate with our parents and our friends, our siblings, our spouses. Lord, you have something for everything. You have a principle and a value for everything that we walk through, including our finances. But God, the truth is this is the most challenging for us. And you knew we'd struggle with this, so God, I just pray you'd open our hearts to hear and receive whatever it is that you want to say, and God, give us the courage and the faith to simply be obedient. God, I thank you that you always follow your promises with a blessing. So God, I just thank you that you're up to something big right here, right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Can I just take the few remaining seconds of our service today to shift the narrative for a moment? Man, we, we exist as a church for one reason, and that is to help people find and begin a relationship with Jesus. And let me tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about walking in a perfect life. 
I'm not talking about joining the movement church. And if you're like me, let me encourage you. I'm not talking about getting rid of and eradicating your past. I just want to encourage that some of you in this room have never begun the journey with Jesus. And there is a starting point. And that starting point is just saying yes to him. It's acknowledging I've been in the driver's seat of my life doing things my way for too long and it's just not working like it used to. And beginning the journey with Jesus is simply saying, okay, I'm stepping out of the driver's seat. I'm getting in the passenger seat and you, you step on in, Jesus. And if you're here and you've never begun that journey, today is your day. That's why you're here. And in a moment with no embarrassment to you, no, nobody has to get out of their seat, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to challenge you to pray that prayer with me and begin the journey today. And listen to me, there are some of you in this room who may have prayed a prayer like this, but since that time you've been running from God or walking from God or doing your own thing and today is about coming back to Him. So if you're that individual and you're saying, yeah, you know, I, I've been in church before, my, my faith and my heart have been aligned before, but I just have not been following Jesus lately, then today's the day to come back. And my Bible says that he stands at the door of our heart knocking, saying, no matter what, I'm always ready to welcome you back in. So if you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or today's the day to pray it again for the first time in a long time, I wanna challenge you, listen, in the quietness of your own heart, or in a small whisper to repeat this simple prayer to me. Would you do, do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, nobody moving. Those of you that are listening online or in the family room, if that's you, you've never prayed this prayer or it's time to pray it again for the first time, just make these words your own. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me. That you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect, so would you forgive me? And then just make this statement your own to say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. God, we just thank you that you're up to something big. You're doing the miraculous right here and right now. And we look to you, God, as the author and the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.